All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through Eclipse and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 300. This is Sparta. We got a nice episode for you guys today. My silent protest with the Clippers is officially over. We are trending upward. Josh Giddy ruined my Thanksgiving. The Scott Foster CP3 beef is still going on, and you're going to want to listen to our final thoughts. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, episode 300. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 300. This is Sparta. We hit the 300 episode mark. We made it to the mountaintop, the podcast peak, whatever you want to call it. It's a goal that Drew and I have been working on, wanting to hit for a long time. And we're now, we're here, Drew. I woke up so excited. I was excited yesterday. Uh, I woke up today, you know, I get one day off from uh, normal life and I started my day off perfectly, man. I got my my raspberry yogurt from my little Chopin bakery up the street, which I love. I got to go do my Monday haircut, walked right over to Sea Surf, picked up my pokey nachos, walked over to Lavender Lounge, picked up my my favorite iced tea since I can't drink for three months. We can get into that later. I can't <laughs> celebrate with a beer with you, but I got my my... My Lavender Lounge iced tea with passion fruit chubies. If you don't know what chubies are, it's like white people boba. That's what I that's what I drink. It's my favorite. It's little passion fruit gummy bears inside of your, your iced tea. It's just a glorious drink. Glorious drink. And then I get to come here, Drew, flip on the computer, and we get to do what we love best. Episode 300, Drew. I'm stoked. How happy are you right now? Oh, man, this is – it's uh, it's pretty weird. I, I think when we started this – whatever, seven years ago, I don't, I did, I definitely didn't think that we would be at episode 300. And, but you know, maybe I, I do think I was naive enough to think that we would do this for a long time. And that's kind of where I am with this. While this is a really incredible milestone for us and 300 is a lot, that's a big number. It, it feels like a lot and I'm very proud of us, but there is something to this to me where like, I, uh, I think because this is just something that I want to do for as long as I possibly can, I'm not like overly excited about it. I just want to keep doing this. So like 400 is going to come and 500 is going to come and it's just going to be just another, you know, week, another, another uh, episode for us to talk about what we love to talk about, which is basketball at its finest in, in the NBA for the most part, basketball at its finest. But um, yeah, man, I'm grateful uh that we still have this going i'm grateful that we have uh, an awesome engaged audience uh that has stuck with us over the years and and is growing so thank you to all of our listeners to making this a possibility right because we wouldn't be at 300 if there was nobody listening so uh really do appreciate everyone um and uh yeah you know it, it having it happen around thanksgiving also to me kind of made it you know, very poignant. It's like, man, 300 is awesome. And it's incredible what we're, what we've done and the work that we put in the hours that we put in. Uh, but it really all comes down to the fact that though, that there's people that enjoy us on some level. And that still blows my mind, even though we're 300 episodes in. Yeah. But you know what drew to what you said, like 
I understand we're going to get 400, we're going to get 500, but we got to celebrate small victories, man. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes you have to stop for a minute and tap yourself on the back and be like, damn, dude, took an idea and we're running with it. And we're at 300. We have a lot of people behind us too. We heard, you know, whether it's friends and family, people on the, even on my street, people that listen to our show are coming up saying, hey man, 300, way to go. And so uh, I'm, I'm stoked and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for everybody listening to the show. And I, I got more to say about it later on the show, but we got a show to do, Drew. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to know that doesn't see our videos that I know was, I was on the, on the ledge last week once again, and <laughs> I had my silent pl- protest, my clip silent protest. But just understand that I, I got my Clipper gear on today. I got my Clipper hat on today. And, you know, I want to tell Clipper Nation to chill for a second, okay? Just chill out for a minute. Be Like I've said the whole time, this James Harden thing is going to work itself out. <laughs> just trust me. It's gonna, I, I, didn't I say this, Drew? Yeah. I pre- just chill out, guys. Give it some time. All right. Did oh, I not say that, God. Drew, or what? You know, I I didn't quite I hear. I, I didn't catch exactly that sentiment on the last uh, couple podcasts oh. from you, but uh, <laughs> they're they're definitely the Clippers have turned a corner. That's for sure. Maybe you just weren't listening clo- closely enough. I thought I said that, Drew. I didn't. <laughs> okay, um, Clipper Nation. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but you know, Russ has gone to the bench. Uh, we've won four out of five with Russ on the bench. Picked up Daniel Tice. I I just want to say that, like, I'm seeing some things happen with the Clippers and a lot of it having to do with James Harden. I'm seeing the value in James Harden. I'm seeing these guys work through the issues that I've seen in the beginning, and it does take time. Nobody just comes to an NBA team and just immediately start winning ball games. There was obviously five in a row that we dropped, and we had a a nice little buffer with getting um, San Antonio twice and a big win in Houston. Uh, the Pelicans spanked our ass once again. Fuck, Drew. I swear to God, Jonas Valanciunas hit his first three-pointer against us, and I said, oh, here we go again. The Clipper killer, Jonas, right? Yep. It was an awful game. Russ had an awful game. Um, and then we came back and beat uh, Dallas two nights ago, which was a huge win. But uh, besides the wins, I'm just seeing something a little different. I'm seeing Paul George being extremely aggressive on the offensive end. Um, Kawhi has been struggling offensively with his jumper and whatnot. Statistically, he's having one of the worst seasons of his career right now. Mm-hmm. And he's getting the shots that he wants, but they're just not falling at the, at the moment. But you remember when I, I told the story of when I was – in the MRI machine. And there was this beautiful, I had this beautiful vision of like the ball moving and then getting to James Harden for three yeah. in the corner. It's yeah. been happening a lot. Like, look, James Harden hasn't been as selfish as I thought. He's actually been overly unselfish at yep. times. Um, really trying to get everybody involved, making the right passes. He's finding Kawhi Leonard in, in, in spots and outlet passes that we were not getting before. Russ is doing the same thing, but I, I mentioned too, on a couple shows ago that, the the drop pass, the slip pass hasn't been fallen with with Zubak or anybody else. And Harden and Zub have been working at it after practice. And now it's starting to work. Zubak's in the right place. Um, those passes are starting to fall. Harden is taking good shots. Uh, there is something here that's kind of sexy. All right. I'm not co- completely sold on this. I'm still don't understand why PJ Tucker is in the basketball game. I really don't. <laughs> I understand people love the defense. I know drew and, and, and I want your take on it in a sec. Um, the addition of Daniel Tice, his first game against Houston. I mean, this guy came out, he was player of the game. He had 18. He dominated. He absolutely dominated. And you know, the funny thing, drew Daniel Tice has been in the league seven years, right? Have you ever heard Daniel Tice talk ever? No, I, yeah, yes, not very, very few times. If any, I don't know if I have heard him speak. Never in my life 
Have I heard Daniel Tice talk? Why? Because Daniel Tice is not normally interviewed after ball games, and he's right. never really the player of the game. And I think it was Christina Pink goes up and interviews Daniel Tice after his huge game. He's a complete German, Drew. Oh, like, yeah. legit German accent. All of that. He doesn't look like that. He looks like, you know, the German exchange student that played at Pasadena for eight years <laughs> and, you know, has 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 the American uh, – uh, uh, what's it called? The American accent, but nah, dude, he's complete German. Um, he has been really great for us. I said he was a band-aid and he is going to be a band-aid, but he is a vet. He sets the right screens. He hustles. He gets rebounds. He's got a nice little jumper. He can spread, spread, spread the floor, excuse me, with the three point shot. And then there's this thing. I don't mean to be long winded, but I like the Daniel Tice. I like the Zubak, who's gotten better. And then when you bring Mason Plumley back into the rotation in mm-hmm. a month and a half, we have three serviceable serviceable bigs uh, that will make me feel a little more comfortable with our lack of defense and lack of um, rim protection. Yeah. So where I'm at right now, we do have Denver tonight. I think that's going to be a good gauge for us. Jamal Murray is not going to be back. They, they said today that he'll possibly be back next game. Mm-hmm. which is uh it's 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 positive for denver but it's going to be a big game for the clippers tonight i'm i just feel like drew that there is something here that the guys are working with and um i think russell on the bench i mean as much as i'd rather have harden on the bench it's it's kind of working right now drew what, what yep. do you think about everything that's been going on yeah i think russell westbrook made a great move uh, another selfless move from this guy to go just like volunteer and be like, look, I'm, I put me on the bench, right? Very team first kind of decision there. Um, and I think it is paying off Terrence Mann in the starting lineup, I think adds a, a, a dimension that was necessary, right? He, his switchability on defense, his pace on offense. Um, you know, I think he's a, he's a vital player and I think it makes the most sense to do what they did have Russ on the bench. Team man starts next to James Harden. You still get Kawhi and PG doing their things, uh, and then Zub or Tice down down in the middle, and it is starting to come together. And I think you touched on James Harden's unselfishness, and right now in the in the games that he's played for the Lake uh, for the Clippers, he's only averaging nine point seven field goal attempts a game, which is the lowest uh, in uh, in his career since his second year in the league when he was with Oklahoma City coming off the bench. And he's shooting at 44%, which is roughly his you know career average from, from the field goals and 34.5% from three. So the selfishness is it, it, the selflessness is on display from both Westbrook and his, you know, his way to step up and go to the bench and James Harden in his play. Uh, you know, I think sometimes he can be a little too passive and I don't want to get on that side of him, right? Because the goal for James Harden on the Clippers is for him to be passive. So I'm not going to criticize when he's too passive because then, you know, what are we really doing, right? Then he can't really win in any scenario if we go at him for that. I will say, though, I think he is finding his place. Um, I think he's also doing his best to fit in, right? All those things that we talked about, not just the unselfishness, but I think he's trying, you know, seems to be trying on defense. He's averaging 1.4 steals a game, uh, only 2.3 turnovers per game. So, uh, I think it's it's slowly coming together, right? And I really like Daniel Tice. This is something that when, as you mentioned, when when the idea was floated after Plumlee's injury, the idea was floated for Tice. It was like, oh, man, that would be legit. And it has been. I think it's been great, especially because there doesn't seem to be a lot of other options out there for the Clippers. So the fact that it was he was able to just get out of his contract very easily 
and then slide over to the Clippers. He's been a super, super important uh, addition thus far. Uh, but look, all that being said, you, the turnaround was against the Houston Rockets, as you mentioned, and then back-to-back games against San Antonio. So you want to turn your season around, that's a great recipe to do it. Three games against Houston and San Antonio, you should be able to to, to feel good about uh, you know leaving those games as as winners because San Antonio is certainly not <laughs> they're not a juggernaut right now you know uh, and then yeah you, you you know you lost the game uh, to the Pelicans and then and then a really really nice win uh, against Dallas you were in control that whole time there so well I do think this Nuggets game will be a really interesting matchup right no Jamal Murray so it really feels like the Nuggets are you know beatable more beatable than they are without with Jamal Murray. Uh, so without him on the court, you, you've seen, you know, they've lost a couple games and Reggie's doing a pretty good job. Reggie, Reggie Jackson on the Nuggets is doing a pretty good job of, you know, trying to fill in the role. Uh, and of course, you know, Jokic is doing his thing, but uh, I think the Clippers as they've played before in the season did pretty good against the the Nuggets. I expect that to be a pretty good game. Um and I think you might be able to to steal a, a win while these Nuggets don't have Jamal Murray, especially you know with the momentum on your side that you have right now. I think it would be a, a really important game for you to try to get a win, um, you know, and and continue this momentum after after the Thanksgiving break there. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the Clippers in general, like just just how you are describing how you're feeling about it, most fans of the Clippers should be in that same boat. A little bit of optimism sprinkled in, right? Maybe you still. I didn't have any a week ago. Exactly. I didn't have any about a week and a half ago. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, you you, you get a couple wins in, you see some some things start to click, you know, the shifting of the rotations, and it's like, okay, now we can you know at least be content with what we're seeing, and then you can still have your complaints here and there, of course, and hopefully Kawhi can <laughs> start start shooting the ball better. I mean, that's the one thing that's really missing at this point is that he's just he's just not hitting shots at like like we expect. But imagine what that will all look like when he's you know back in 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 his form. Uh, PG is playing really well, and and then James Harden just setting the table. So it is starting to fix itself, I think, a little. Well, Norm has been great off the bench too. He had three really great games off the bench. Uh, a couple things really fast, and I'll get off the Clippers. You brought up um, the intensity that that Russell's bringing off off the bench, and you're so true. Terrence had been hurt all season. He they put him in the starting lineup for Russ. He struggled because you know getting his legs back. He's still trying to find that three point shot. But the Dallas game, we saw why we wanted to keep Terrence Mann so bad. And it was his nose for the ball. It was the defense. It was the cutting. It was the doing all the intangible stuff. Even when he wasn't scoring baskets in those in one game that we won and one game that we lost, he was doing all the things that we need in that first, in that first five offense. And um, we're seeing why he is so valuable. And Russ said something in the post game after the Dallas game where he's like, look, you, you can't control you know, if your shot's going in or not, or, you know, if you're getting bad calls or not, but what you can't control is your energy and effort on defense and how hard you play. And Russ has tried to instill that in Terrence. And I think Terrence sees that. And I think Russ has been an extension of Terrence for how he plays energy wise in the first half in the, in the first, you know, eight minutes of the starting players. And, and I love it. I love what Terrence Mann is bringing. Once he finds that, that three point shot that he's going to get, it's mm-hmm. going to be open. He's had a lot of open looks. 
um, that's going to happen. Now, Kawhi, the funny thing about Kawhi is like, I think the reason why his shot's flat is because he's playing every goddamn game. He's not getting a rest in between. He's played all 15 games for the Clippers. You know what I mean? Maybe he's not used to playing all these games, but let's give a kudos to Kawhi you know, for playing every game. I think he's due for another for a big game coming up here. Um, but I wanted to give props to Norman Powell. I, mean, I still don't understand why what Bones Highland did to get in the doghouse. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I, I don't know if it Bones. is. I don't think it's doghouse. I just I think Ty Lue needed the, the freedom to try some things because you kind of know what Bones is and what he can bring to the table. Not saying that he can't mm-hmm. improve upon that or change, but currently you know what he is and you know what he brings. I think he needed the freedom to test out this shit. Not to say that Bones can't work his way back into the lineup. But I do think, mm. you know, with the with the the traffic jam of Russ, James Harden, Terrence Mann, Norm Powell, like, you know, it, it someone had to just, you know, sit on the bench for a little bit. And, and I, it, I think it was a wise decision for it to be Bones, even though I do think he's dynamic and can be uh, a big player for the Clippers. He's just going to have to wait his turn right now. I agree. And he posted after like he did, I don't think he got any minute or he got sh- shitty minutes or no minutes against the Pelicans when we're getting blown out. And he did like a cryptic story post like he looks very engaged on the bench okay he doesn't look like he's pouting he doesn't look marcus morris ish at all you know what yeah. i'm saying yeah. he's very engaged he's cheering on everybody and i watch that stuff like i tell you guys uh but he posted so i think he's up he, hoopers want to hoop bro of course he wants to play and um you know coming into training camp you know he's getting a lot of burn preseason yep. a lot of burn a lot of talk about bones highland and then when you bring james in it just throws it does throw a wrench and you're right drew somebody has to go to the bench but i sent him a message and i just said look bro your number is going to be called like a clipper nation is behind you we all support you we want you to get these minutes and these looks and your number will be called there will be a day where you know norm's going to be out or james harden's going to need four games because of a groin um, but his number is going to be called. And I just hope that he's ready for it. Um, but, uh, you know, we stand behind Bones. I, I know Ty Lue is still trying to figure it out. I think he's yeah. still struggling a little bit with the rotations. He's trying to keep two guys on the floor at the same time. Um, sometimes when we go really small, like it's T-Man, PG, uh, with PJ, like all these guys, like it gets a little confusing at times. I, I don't think uh, small ball is going to work for us. But, um Again, you brought it up earlier. Like, Russ has done nothing but sacrifice for us, you know? Like, he's done nothing but do the vet moves on all of this. And somebody needs to say something about that. Because a lot of people, especially in his position, with the accolades that this guy have, would not be humble enough. Everybody Mm. needed to get humble. Melo needed to get humble. You know, Vince Carter needed to get humble. Blake Griffin needed to get humble. A lot of these guys, most most of those based off of injuries and whatnot. Allen Iverson needed to be humbled. Uh, but it seems like, and you know what, with Russ, Russ wasn't lying when he said like, look, I still think I'm faster than every guard, stronger than every guard. I think he is, to be honest with you. I can't <laughs> name too many guards that are faster and stronger than him. And another guy like Terrence Mann, it's doing these intangible things, which is the rebounding, the offensive rebounding hands on balls. The Clippers are leading the league in steals per game, which is amazing to me. Yeah. Um, but he did do something the other night that pissed me off. You know, I hate the rock, the baby. I hate all that shit. Yeah. I hated it when he was a Laker. I hated it when he was an OKC, but he did call Luca out. I mean, he was burning Luca at the end there. Russ had a huge game, but he did blow by Luca, then pointed at him and said, you know, go at him, go at him. And you know what, dude, again, going back to poking the bear, there's some people that you don't want to poke the bear at. And and Luca is kind of one of those, you know what I'm saying? He's for the torched Clippers us especially. many times. Yeah, for the Clippers, he's yeah, but, really, he's destroyed you guys over the last several meetings. 
but you know what? That's fine. But when you look at the record, when Lucas played the Clippers, he's like seven and 16, Drew. Like it's still, it's still in our favor. Yeah. He's torched us for a bunch of points. I get it. But he's also the guy that let us, I think he gave us 44 in the last game. Like he fucking murdered yeah. us in the last game. Um, but we, I think going off of that last game, we adjusted and we played him very well, played everybody else very well in that game. So I, I don't like the poking of the bear because because Luca is like, is it whales? Is it whales or is it elephants that remember everything, Drew? <laughs> elephants. Who is that? Which, I think whales have good memories. Elephants? Whales have good memories too, but elephants never forget. That's the that's the saying. I want Russ to chill on that, and I know sometimes I, I think Russ is kind of like the KG in a way, like he does these things to hype himself up and get him ready and get him sure. amped. But like, yeah. let's pick it. Let's pick and choose that shit. I, <laughs> I think we need to put that stuff to the side, but I am ready for Kawhi Leonard to have a big game coming up here. We need him in the mix. And right. another quick shout out really fast. PG has just been phenomenal, man. He has been absolutely phenomenal. I think with this James Harden thing, I, 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 I can tell that James Harden isn't in shape yet. He's definitely lost a step. He's not as fast as he once was or last year was. Um, he's not blowing by every single guard in the NBA, but he is getting – and his free throws, man. The guy came mm -hmm. in – like his first four games with the Clippers, he was 26 for 26, and now he has been shooting like shit. Whole team combined, not, yeah. not doing well in the free throws. And we need those to get better. So hopefully those can get better. But I think once James gets his legs back and maybe drops, I'd say, like 7 to 10, I, I would hope, it, it, it could be something like something really interesting. But we still do lack defense and rim protection. I want to see more from Zub, uh, who has gotten better. Because there, three games ago, Clipper Nation wanted to trade Zub. Get rid of this guy. Yeah. They were so quick to trade him. Yeah. So um, that's my thought on the Clippers. I didn't mean to spend so long on it, Drew. Tonight will be a really good gauge. Um, I kind of want to go to a whole other spectrum um, before we get into some other stuff. But like, so I wake up Thanksgiving morning. I'm ready for my parents to come down. I was cooking. Uh, they they were going to come down, see the new crib, see the studio. And I was going to make, you know, make Thanksgiving meal. And I woke up and it was just, I, I was seeing posts and texts about Josh Gideon, an underage girl. <laughs> now, mind you, um, these were from like, I'm looking at who I'm like, okay, butt crack, butt crack sports is reporting this. And I'm like, okay, not ESPN is reporting this. So I'm like, as I'm getting ready, you know, making my bed and cleaning my room. I'm like, damn, that's a really crazy allegation. And then more stuff started coming out from other outlets. And I'm like, oh, shit, there's the girl. Oh, oh shit, Josh Giddy's with her. Oh, he's got his shirt off. Oh, there's a video of him talking to the girl's brother. And I'm like, okay. And so I did my own little research. And I'm like, okay, this is really happening. The girl posts on Snapchat. I just fucked Josh Giddy. I'm like, okay, this is really happening. I didn't want to pay it any mind on Thanksgiving though. I'm like, I'm not spending Thanksgiving doing this. I'm not going to spend Thanksgiving on my phone, doing clips and drew stuff, talking about Josh getting an underage girl. I don't want to do it. I'll do it tomorrow. And tomorrow comes, which is Friday and still nothing's like really coming out about it. Nobody's reporting it. There's allegations everywhere, but I do my research and yeah, dude, this guy's with a 16 year old girl, 15 year old girl. There's TikToks of this girl six months ago doing TikTok dances in high school. And I'm like, all right, Nobody's talking about this still, which is shocking to me because they're out there. And this is the following day on Friday. And on Friday, I still don't say anything about it because I also don't want to be that guy that I, I, I'm just going to, you know, milk talking about this when I don't know all the facts or anything. But then Friday night comes and I turn on uh, League Pass 
and I'm watching OKC and Josh Giddy's playing. And I'm like, why is Josh Giddy allowed <laughs> to be playing basketball? There's allegations going around. There is proof in the pudding right here that he has been with an underage girl. She is 16 years old, 15 possibly. And nobody, there's, he's still being able to play. Oh, it's a personal matter. They tell the coach. Giddy's able to say, oh, I'm not going to comment on it. Nah, dude. Nah. This is not cool. I don't know how they do it in 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 Australia. <laughs> they don't give me the shit about uh, the 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 age of consent in Oklahoma is sixteen. Yeah, it's sixteen. It's still fucking wrong. Okay, when you're a professional athlete, and I'm not one, but I've been around them long enough. There's one women throw themselves at you at all times. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Excuse me to the women that happen to be the fish in the barrel, but you guys get what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's one prerequisite for professional athletes and women and one of them is being of age okay and don't give me the shit oh she told me she was 18 you look at this girl she does not look 18 i'm sorry and you do not get a pass because i'm telling i'm gonna pull i'm pulling the card drew i'm pulling the card tell them clips and drew is pulling the card right now i will guarantee you if that is lou dort if that is sga if that is roby you get where I'm going about on this. Mm-hmm. They are not playing in the game, and there is a full-fledged investigation. And tell me, yeah, yeah, I pulled the race card, Drew. I did it. Just because Josh Giddy is 21, and just because he's got Goldilocks hair and hasn't caused any issues in the NBA, does not give this guy a pass. And comparing him to Carl Malone is two different things, too, because Carl Malone got the girl pregnant, okay? But the fact that we're making this shit normalized and we're not going to do anything about it is wrong. It's still wrong. I understand 20 and 16 still very close, but it's wrong. And you know that, Josh Giddy. You have a sister that is 16 years old. It's wrong. Where are the vets on the team? Where are the homies on your team telling you that's not the right thing to do? And, and I'm sorry, bro, you cannot get a pass. And also, you know, before you even get in these relationships, if the girl doesn't look 18, man, check an ID. Guess what? She doesn't have an ID because she probably can't drive a car yet, homie. So get a social security number. You know, tell her to fax over some some doctor's notes or something because it's wrong, Drew. And we can't just let shit like how how about this, Drew? How is there more of a COVID protocol than a statutory rape protocol? Okay. <laughs> how come you can get the sniffles and be out for a week, but you get caught with a girl on her Snapchat saying she just you and you're still playing in the game that night? It's wrong, Drew. And we're not giving Josh Giddy a pass. Clips is not giving him a pass. That's what I got to say about that. What are your thoughts? Well, I think I think there is an investigation now, right? Like the NBA has come out and announced that there is an ongoing investigation, right? How long can the investigation be? You call the girl, <laughs> you call the girl's parents. Did this happen? Okay. What's the hush money that the NBA is probably thinking? Because God forbid, you know, we do something to OKC right now because OKC is what everybody's talking about. And I, I want before you say anything else, I do want to say something about like part of what why I didn't want to post and talk about it is because and why this feels like it's going the normalized route is because instead of ripping Josh Giddy like we would have ripped everybody else that did this is it turns into these memes like these funny fucking memes the under 18 jerseys and you know the Carl Malone stuff I don't want to joke about it like I don't find it funny you know what I'm saying. I didn't want to be part of making the joke that because yeah. once you joke about it, it's like you've made it okay. And I didn't want to make it okay. I'm sorry to say that. So continue, man. Right. Well, look, it's it's obviously <laughs> I mean, fucking ridiculous. Um, 
it's it's so ridiculous that that this is happening to uh, a kid who who in Josh Giddy who should definitely know better than this. This is you know rule kind of like one of the very first rules that you learn, uh, especially as a man in today's world, is you know you you have to get consent and you have to make sure that she's of consenting age. And I don't know Oklahoma rules. I think you just said that Oklahoma it's sixteen. So then he then maybe the reason that he's playing is because he didn't break the law. Maybe that's maybe that's what this comes down to. Clips is that if it actually is legal, <laughs> then I don't know what the NBA can do, right? Because like if he didn't break it, you know, I, the NBA can can state, you know, they have their own you know contract with the players and they have their own bylaws that they have to abide by. But I don't know what sort of repercussions they can levy on this if that's not already in the bylaws uh or you know because because technically it's not you know not a crime but it's outrageous i mean like you said bro giddy is an australian good looking guy he could and he travels to all the cities in the united states year round like you, that's that's what you're going to go with dude you're going to go with a 16 year old girl um Look, I don't have much to add. I think you 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 gave a great synopsis of your thoughts. Mine are very similar. I don't. This well, can't me, happen. Add, this cannot happen. This this cannot happen uh, in the NBA, right? And you know, it the 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 question that I'm left with is how much did he know, right? Like, did he know that she was 16? Did he know that the law of consent is 16? And that is when he decided to proceed with this. Cause then if that's the case, then we got, I think we have a bigger problem on our hands here, right? Like then he needs, he needs to go to some counseling or some shit. Uh, but if he was completely unaware and maybe this girl lied to him, said that she was 18, I mean, Oklahoma, yeah. you know, there's, there's college colleges all over Oklahoma. I, I, don't, I don't know what's in Oklahoma city. Cause I don't think Oklahoma or Oklahoma state are in that city but you know it it's you know it it's a co- there's colleges everywhere in that state it, it wouldn't be shocking to, to learn that you know oh she lied and said she was a freshman at yeah. so, such and such school uh and that she was 18 right so i i don't want to pass judgment until we know for a fact that he was aware and knew then then i'll throw the book at him the way that you did but uh it's it feels like he knew <laughs> it feels like he knew so i it, it, it just can't happen i don't understand how it happens yeah, there's the gray area that you're talking about. Okay. You're talking about like legally it, it it is there. Consent is 16. Right. And obviously if you're posting on your, on your Snapchat, I feel fucking dirty even talking about it's this. Gross. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this. I'm going to wrap this up soon, but yeah. you're right there. The, and they were saying that they were at a club and how did she get in a how club? It was like club. 21 and over. So, you know, but I'm sorry, dude. You can look at somebody and be like, there is no way you're 21 years old. I don't care. And he is a child himself. He is 21. There's only a five-year age difference and whatnot, or six-year, depending on how old she is. So there is that gray area. But again, so all 16-year-olds in OKC are fair play for for professional athletes? Or if you go to Louisiana where it's 15, like, is that cool too, dude? Is that really what it is in Louisiana? 15 in louisiana oh, right boy. so when you go play right what is wrong why with the united it, states of america why is it 15 <laughs> why is that I don't okay know. maybe we stumbled, we stumbled on a bigger okay. we, we stumbled on a bigger problem here this is a national this is a national problem this is the united states of america this is a problem rules problem 
how is how is that still the case? Unreal. I don't know, Drew. You could probably carry a gun at fifteen too in Louisiana. I don't freaking know. <laughs> right. Don't get you don't get we don't, we're not that kind of a gun, but you can have sex with whoever you want at fifteen. <laughs> I don't Unreal. get it. Uh, I just I just felt like the the only reason I really want to bring it up it is a hot topic. It's a big topic right now, but I feel like people just aren't saying what needs to be said about it. Like I think. I think Josh Giddy. I don't know Josh Giddy enough. From all, from everything I know, he's a good dude, right? Right. Maybe they. Maybe it's different in Australia. Maybe I. I just don't know, dude. I don't know. Well, that's the other uh, thing is like I don't know. Thinking- I, I don't know what the age of consent in Australia is. I don't know what the age of consent is like in these other places around the world. I feel like in Germany, it's it's like sixteen as well. I think a lot of European nations look at that you know sexuality a little differently than we do in America. Uh, so I don't know what what those rules. I'd be interested to know what it is in Australia. Uh, cause if, if, if it in fact matches up with this like 16 year old, then maybe it's just a cultural difference clips that we're, that we're stumbling upon here. And clearly, you know, in our culture, I, I, I don't know who is going to be standing by the fact that they are 20 or 21 and they're sleeping with a 16 year old as like, that's totally fine and cool. Uh, but, and also in, in professional one-on-one dude, you don't let the girl take Snapchats of you and you definitely don't let her know what your business, like what you that's just the, did and be okay with it. That's the part you that makes me that. really think that he didn't know. Right. Like, cause if he really knew that she was 16 and he's post, she's posting that shit on like IG, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. Then he's then, dumb as hell. Then, yeah. Then that's what, that's what makes me think that, that he probably was, was a little surprised <laughs> by the news. You need to just suspend him for being dumb, bro. It's a dumb thing. Well, that's to do. the thing is I do think and instead of maybe the instead of the NBA coming down, I do think this can be an Oklahoma City franchise suspension that is just levied here. Mm-hmm. Like they can just interject. Mm-hmm. They don't need Adam Silver necessarily because maybe Silver, like I'm saying, maybe Silver's hands are tied. But the the organization, the the Thunder can can reach out to Gideon and say, hey, man, we're. We're going to put you in some counseling. Uh, we're going to make sure you know all the rules and regulations. Uh, and we're going to sit you down for, you know, one of these one or two of these games or something like that to try and just at least get the point across that they're not cool with with it, even though it may be legal and above board, quote unquote, above board. Uh, that would be the, maybe the route that I would take if I was the owners of this of the Thunder. Adam Silver wants no parts of this. So no. he's probably like, oh, Jesus. Um, okay, see, you handle Giddy. Everybody, in-season tournament. Turn on the TV. Watch the in-season tournament. Well, don't, and, don't watch Josh Giddy. And I think to your point, too, I think a lot of people will look at what happens here with Josh Giddy and look look at what happened with John Morant and really kind of match line these things up. Obviously, they're two different things, right? But both of these things that were done in John Morant's case, uh, at least – you know, the, in regards to the gun possession and in Josh Giddy's case, it doesn't seem like either of them broke the law. Right. And both of them are mm-hmm. things that should not be done. So we'll see. At least I will kind of watch this and see what what the major differences are here. And again, it's not apples to apples, but it is their fruit. It's apples and oranges. So we're in the realm of, of fruit here is what we're talking about. I just think that if we're going to if we're going to. Uh, I don't want to say bash or talk shit, but like if we're going to bring up Josh Primo exposing himself to yep. people and rip him a little bit and under and try to figure out, you know, why the hell they're doing this, Josh Giddy deserves the same same treatment. I don't think there's the only thing 
that would make it okay. Nothing makes it okay, but it, you have to play. If I'm Josh Giddy, you play as stupid as possible right now. Like this, this girl that, lied so to close, me. Hold on. You, would, you couldn't hold it against him if, in fact, he had no idea. You couldn't possibly hold that against I, him. If he uh, thought I, I can sure. hold it, I can hold it against him from a man's point of view that I, I know when I can, the I know test. when somebody's question. Yes. You're looking, yes. you're talking about from an eye test perspective. And I, that's fair. But I, he's also 21, man. That's the thing. Is like I just don't know. My eye test too. when he's I was twenty one. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very hard now. I'm, I'm thirty four now, and I, I, I sixteen, twenty one, you know, twenty five. All the I don't. I have no clue. So I just stay away from all of them. I'm happily married. <laughs> yes, and I have double vision. I can't see shit anyway. So don't 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 <laughs> listen to what I got to say. Anyways, uh, we'll be interested to see what, what what goes on after that. I want to touch on something really quick, too, that was interesting. It's something that's been going on pretty much the whole time we've been doing our podcast. But Scott Foster and Chris Paul finally came to a boiling point the other mm. night. Uh, CP3 got kicked out of the game, and he was not happy um, with Scott Foster. We all know the history of Scott Foster. I think there was 11 playoff games in a row that uh, that um, CP3 lost. I think it was 17. Scott Foster was, I feel like it was 17. No, I think. I think it was 11 in a row, 17 in total. Oh, right? oh 11 in a I row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 11 in a row, 17 in total. Um, and we've been talking about it on our show and on our page for a really long time. Like, numbers don't lie. This seems to always happen. He'd never been tossed from a game, but things boiled over in that game. Scott Foster tossed him, and it came out after the game. Chris didn't hold anything back. He's like, look, you you guys all know the deal with me and Scott. It stems from something that happened with his son, with little Chris. And I don't know the story on that. I wish I did. If anybody else like knows the real story, please let us know. Cause he's kind of holding it close to his chest. Something happened where he talked about little Chris and there's been beef ever since. And supposedly, or actually not supposedly it happened with the Clippers. Like they had a sit down, doc rivers, CP Scott Foster, uh, uh, CP three's dad. And I think his brother was there. Or somebody else was there, a mediator and they tried to hash it out and talk about it, but there is, issues there and i agree with stephen a smith on this like scott foster can never rest like uh they've crossed everything's crossed like things are are saturated now scott foster one of the quote best referees in the nba should not be able to referee a game with chris paul in it now because things are personal and as a referee nothing can be personal from with players and with referees nothing and it obviously is there is a grudge there Something is wrong. Scott Foster can't referee a game anymore with CP because if there's an L involved, it'll always be in the forefront. It's like some Donahue type shit, you know? So I don't I don't know what the NBA has to do. I don't know if they have to step in. And and do you reprimand Scott Foster, one of your best referees? Like, or or, or do you just go off what he has to say? Like, look, man, I'm just refereeing my game. It just so happens that he loses every single game that I referee. I, I don't know what it is. And we all know uh, Chris Paul is not a saint, all right? He's not the easiest man in the world to to referee. Probably not the easiest guy in the world to play with or play against. We all know that. But you expect as a professional athlete to have unbiased referees uh, refereeing your game. And I don't think that can happen anymore with Scott Foster. Now, do I think the Golden State Warriors are going to be in a finals game this year? Probably not. Could happen, but probably not. Um but it's tainted now, Drew. Now does the NBA have to go in and shit? You know, Scott Foster has six more Chris Paul games this year. Does that mean he's off of those games? What do you think the NBA does now? You know, look, the fact that the storyline is so far-reaching back in history, 
I'm I'm sure that Adam Silver was just just hoping that Chris or Scott Foster would retire. Right? Like he's just like, cool, can we just get to the end of this shit? Like, can we just have this not be a thing anymore? One of you two fuckers. Retire. He thought when Chris went to Washington. He thought when Chris went to Washington, he's like, thank God. A little fist pump it's from done. Adam Silver. Maybe we won't have any Scott Foster drama from now on. Because Scott's still relatively young in, in terms of NBA refs with the, the legend Dick Bavetta out there until he was 93 or whatever. Mm. Uh so look, I you know, Foster's got a long, a long a lot longer left in the in his tank for a ref than Chris Paul has left in his playing career. This the easiest way to do this is is what you just said. Reschedule those fucking games. Scott Foster should not they they have enough refs. Uh, they can, they, you know, I, I think there's two, right? The reschedule the games or guess what? Scott Foster, mm-hmm. you are bumped up. You're bumped up to an administrative position here within the NBA uh, in referees. Like we're going to bump you up to the head of replay, or we're going to bump you up to some sort of administrative position to where you don't have to retire, but you're done actually calling live games. Right. I don't think they're going to take that step because it is just with one player. I mean, Scott Foster has, you know, had flare-ups with other players, of course, over the you know the time of his. Re- I mean, there's not a single ref that hasn't had some sort of flare-up with one player or another. They all have those. Um, and while I agree that there should be no bias involved, we're all human beings, so every one of those refs probably has some sort of you know innate bias, even if they won't admit it uh, to themselves. Even I'm sure that there is just that's how human beings work. That's how our brains work. There's a bias system that gets installed into your into your brain, and you just have that. And I do think certain refs, most of them, try their best to ignore those personal feelings. And I think Scott Foster uh, has neglected to do so when it comes to Chris Paul. So the easiest easiest system with all the refs that that are out there, um, and even the G League refs, like give a guy a fucking trial. Like maybe you do it that way, right? If there's like a big scheduling thing, then give one of these. G League refs a, a pop in there and see what he can do in a game where Scott Foster is supposed to be refereeing the Warriors who who have Chris Paul. That's the easiest way to do this. Um, and look, I, I do think it's only maybe this season and next season for Chris Paul to be around. Uh, maybe maybe a third season, but it it's short lived. So this really it shouldn't be that hard for them to uh, just avoid having this happen. I will say that. Both both guys, right? Both Chris and Scott are, you know, involved. It's this is very much a two way street. They do not like each other, right? And that's obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just Scott Foster's fault. He has to respond to what is being said to him, and vice versa. Chris Paul uh, has to respond to what Scott does and and what he says. So uh, that's just it has to it has to stop. Like because like imagine the distraction of being the rest of the players on that team, uh, on either team. And having that, but especially on the Warriors, and having that just loom over every single game that Scott Foster is going to ref, like every game, you got to go fuck, dude. I mean, now we got we, Scott's ref in this game, and we're going to have to deal with mm-hmm. this now. Uh, that's just not fair. That's not fair to the Warriors. Um, so I, I, I just don't see this as being a hard fix. It should be an easy fix. Change the change but the do you, refereeing schedule. Yeah, but we can both agree that Scott Foster can't ref can't referee a Chris Paul game now, like ever but, again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I, I think uh, that's... Do you think that's ever happened? I mean, that's never happened before. Yeah. You know, I'm, I was trying to think back to, you know, some of the older refs that we had. And, and I mean, shit, dude, refs got punched in the face, like in the history of the NBA. Like, this is not the worst of the worst when it comes to player-referee interactions. Um, 
I Chris can't Paul recall, did call him a bitch to his face. I, I can't recall a, a relationship between a player and a ref being more contentious consistently than these two. I can't in my head. I can't think of one. I'm sure there's people out there that that will have one in their head. Be like, oh no, this guy. And I mean, look, uh, who was our favorite? Joey Crawford. It's Joe Joe Crawford. Joey. It's Joey Crawford. There is a Danny Crawford too. I know that's one's black, one's white, and mm. one's still. I think mm. one's still a ref, and I think the other one's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Joey famously would tee up everyone. He gave you know the Billy Crystal treatment from uh, you know from Paris with with love or whatever that movie was, uh, just teeing everybody up. So I and I'm sure people did not like Joey Crawford. I'm pretty sure Tim Duncan did not like Joey Crawford very much. But he teed him up on the bench, if you all remember. That's right, just for like laughing. He teed him up after <laughs> yeah. the fact. He wasn't even on the court. So um, I don't think this has ever had to happen before. And I'm I'm assuming that Silver will just like bring so – maybe he'll try and bring them in and sit down with them and say, look, like let's hash – like can we get past this? Because uh, if not, you know, something's going to have to give. Um, but it just seems like easier to just skip all of that, skip the stupid meeting and skip the can we do this thing and just reschedule the games. It's not hard. I agree with you on that. Um I kind of wanted to do something. We're a month into the to the NBA season now, officially. One month. We've got a month under our belts. We got like what? what, what we got six months left. Um, I wanted to do like winners and losers. Yeah. Of the first month of basketball, and the reason why I wanted to do that is because I don't think we've given enough time to a few of these teams and a few of these players. Um, I wanted to start with the with the winners, and I wanted to to start with the winners, and I want to put Boston and I want to put Philly to the side. We know that they're doing great. Yeah. We've talked about them a lot. I don't want to spend a lot of time on them right now. Cause we've already spent a lot of time, both of them uh, on previous shows and whatnot. I wanted to shed some light, give some flowers, cookies, whatever you want to call it. And I kind of wanted to start with, uh, with the Orlando magic right now. And I preseason, you know, I really love this team. I was high on this team. We kind of wanted to see, they have so much talent. How are they going to utilize this talent? They've won seven in a row. They've beat Denver. They've beat Boston. Uh, they uh, they uh, are second in the East right now, and they're playing really good basketball. And my last year's uh, prediction for most improved player was going to be cool, was Cole Anthony last year. And I may be a little late on this, but things are starting to come together in Orlando, and we're starting to see how much talent they really have in Franz and Paolo and 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 Isaac and and Cole and Markel and like Suggs is playing so well right now. And there's this, this quote the other day from somebody and Suggs, you know, again, I'm not, this isn't a Pat Pat clips on the back thing. I really like Suggs when I saw him on in the summer league, it's taken him a while to get adjusted to the NBA too. But like what I saw in summer league, his rookie year coming into his rookie year is exactly what I'm seeing right now. And this guy, I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was JJ. I don't know if it was, KG or 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 all smoke who somebody said it they're like yo this guy's playing every game like a game seven and that's such a great compliment because he is the way this guy and that's how that's what wins ball games man that's what gets you guys juiced up on the sideline ready to play defense he's shooting a lot better we're just they're they're uh we're seeing just how really good how great Franz and Paolo both of who could be all-stars this year the pool is going to be so deep for all-stars mm-hmm. drew this year it's going to when we do our all-star picks i don't know how the hell we're going to do them because they're going to be so hard but i wanted to give them props i don't know how long this is going to last i think it's something that's that's going to be a thing i mean they were they're over under for the season i think was 36 and a half 
which they're already on pace to have 56. I don't see them winning 56, but I do see them killing the 36 and a half and potentially being one of one of the top four for the East, especially if some of these teams like Chicago and you know like Brooklyn and, and start dropping. But I, I really like Orlando, man. They're my they're my my top three league pass teams to watch. What are you thinking about them right now, Drew? Well, they're the hottest team in the NBA right now. I mean, they're sitting currently at 12 and five in the two seed in the East. They've won seven in a row. Uh, they're playing really well. And Jalen Suggs, I think, as you've mentioned, is kind of starting to maybe find his feet a bit in the NBA. It was not the easiest start for him. Uh, his jumper really abandoned him uh, in those first couple seasons. And, you know, it's improved. Uh, it's not it's not tremendous. It's not, you know, it's not like he's just automatic now from three, but it's a lot better than it was. So he can shoot the three. And then he does play with that Russell Westbrook type of like movement and intensity. He does. He's out there. He's running, sprinting. He's playing. He's, he's uh, laying out for balls. Uh, he's diving for balls on the floor and uh, really just trying to do his best to to uh, provide something for this team that they don't have. And and that I think that's really important for them because, you know, Franz and Paolo and all these other guys are, are good at like playmaker scores. I think Jalen being the energy guy and, and trying his best to, you know, obviously, you know, make good plays and not turn the ball over and things like that, but being the energy guy and, and having that intensity on defense and that selflessness is huge for any team as we've seen, but for this team in particular, I think it's going to be tremendous. And, and if he can maintain, I mean, he's only averaging 12 points a game right now, but if he can, do that like you know the 12 to 15 points a game uh, you know five assists something like that and just low turnover rate and then really sell out on the defensive end and move the ball and be good on offense like that that will go a long way for this team who is deep i mean that's the truth of the matter as you as you touched on they got a lot of talent <laughs> got a lot of talent on this team uh and it they're doing a really good job i think mosley if you remember uh, Mosley, the head coach for Orlando, was in consideration and and may have been Luka Doncic's favorite to take over as head coach once Carlisle left the Dallas Mavericks. I think I think Mosley was a shooting coach in Dallas's system or an assistant in, in some level, and Luka loved him and he wanted him to be the head coach before they brought in Jason Kidd. And it's you know it it is what it is. Jason Kidd is there. They're they're experiencing some pretty good ups and you know ups right now. They've had some downs, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but uh, Mosley, I think, is a good coach. If you can get someone like Luka Doncic, who's new to America, uh, obviously a tremendous talent, and to respect you and and want you to be nominate essentially nominate you to be the head coach of his team, uh, only after a few seasons, that's got to be a great spot. And I think I think quietly Orlando uh, ha- had made that signing and. Uh, not much news was was made of it, but I think he actually is a good coach. I think we're seeing that the system that they're running with all that talent and and they do they're quite big as well. They're they're quite tall. Uh, they're actually running at a pretty slow pace. I think they're at twenty fourth in in points per game, uh, but they're like fifth in opponents' points per game. So they're slowing the game down a little bit, uh, and they're they're trying to get good buckets for Franz and Paolo, put them in good spots. Uh, Markel Fultz is is pitching in here and there. They still have Mo Wagner, Franz's brother. They got Wendell Carter uh, Jr. on that team. They got Goga Bedatse, who was who was kind of a bust sort of in Indiana, but I think is a pretty serviceable center. So they they have a lot of depth. Uh, they still have two rookies that um, Anthony Black and Jet Howard that are still you know trying to find their roles and see if they can contribute. But your boy as well. Anthony Black. Anthony Black, Black, my favorite, my favorite player in this last draft. 
he's not he's not doing tremendously quite yet, but I think he'll get there. Um, but then, yeah, I, I also want to mention Cole Anthony, who's had uh, a pretty shocking success there, given you know the the log jam at the guard position for Orlando. I was surprised that he wasn't dealt uh, at some point or another here, and and you know he's playing really good right now. So it it is awesome to see Orlando uh, do this. Now, is it is this a flash in the pan? Probably. Right? Do we think that they're going to stick in the top five seeds in the East this whole season? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, Why not? Well, I think, I think why not? I mean, so right now it's just so early, Um, but they're they're surrounded by Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, uh, Indiana, Miami, New York, Cleveland. Those that's all you know in in that order. I just think it's going to be hard for them to to maintain this winning record. They're they're good. They're young. I just don't know, you know, can they can they continue to score in tight games? Can they continue to get stops in tight games? Right? Will the mental component of this play a part? Will Jalen Suggs fall back into where he was last season and stop being so, uh, you know, efficient like he is at the moment? Like there's, you know, it's all these things that can happen, especially for a young team. Um, I'm I'm not willing to bet that they're going to be in the top six. Even I'm not willing to bet that. Do they? Can they do it? Do they have the talent? A hundred percent. And right now, you know, it 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 would be wise to think that they could, you know, potentially get there. I think they're definitely in the play in for sure. Like they and they have the desire, they have the depth. I think to to get this done, it's just about like proving it. And that's where I'll be wrong. Like I'll be wrong on this if they can prove me wrong. But you know. I think Mosley has a system that's working. I think the, the, the players are bought in there, and it's a very exciting time for them. I mean, watching Franz Wagner run, kind of run the offense at 6'10", and the way that he's mm. getting into the lane, and he can dish, he can finish, you know, he it's it's great. And Paolo is a, is a really legit one-on-one scorer. I think I, I read a quote today that said that, He'd be lying if he didn't if he didn't admit that Carmelo Anthony was one of his favorites growing up, and I can see a little bit of Melo's kind of uh, you know mid range uh, jump shooting game in Paolo's game, but um, yeah, they're exciting, dude. I, I, look, I, if, if can they do what the Kings did last year and surprise everyone and be in the three seed? Yeah, they can. They absolutely can. I just don't see it happening because I think there's too many variables. But they can prove me wrong. Uh, another team that we haven't spent a lot of time on, we brought up briefly, but I mean, shit, Minnesota is number one in the West right now, and they're legit. They they are really good. And for all of us, we weren't the only ones, but every media outlet was questioning the Rudy Gobert trade, as you should. They gave up a lot for Rudy Gobert. Last year was a semi-disaster. There's, you know, it's clogged up with him and Cat down there, but, you know, it's working right now. And has taken the reign. He's the alpha on that team. They got defense. They got serviceable bigs. They got Nas Reed. They got McDaniels. They got a lot of dudes that just play their role really well, led by a kid that is really taking the reins right now. You know, it's just a when you, when you think about it, man. We're watching, we're watching the old school, the OGs, right? We're watching thirty-five-year-old Steph and thirty-five-year-old KD and LeBron and these guys that are just Le- LeBron's in a different category. But we're watching the OGs like doing so well and being so efficient with their shooting and how they play and leading teams and whatnot. But then you, you know, sometimes you start questioning, you know, is the NBA in good hands? And you start looking at these, these cats coming up. We're looking at uh, Hallie at Halliburton just like turning into this 
amazing, amazing player. We're seeing SGA. We've talked about him enough. We're seeing Anthony Edwards and what he's doing. We're seeing all Alpi Sangoon, who Shangoon, who I freaking love. Now everybody's on the Alpi train, and as they should, as they totally should. But we're seeing all these young guys, and Anthony Edwards is at is at the top of that. Him and SGA. Don't even get me started with the SGA game against Golden State a couple nights ago. That shit was just insane. Defensively, offensively, this guy is absolutely crazy good. I don't need to – it's not shocking to tell anybody that. Mm-hmm. But it's Anthony Edwards, man. And when you think about the pieces that he has around him, they have all the pieces that they need. Um, they match up well. If you're t- if you're playing in the West, you match up well with Joker. At least you got three dudes you could throw at Joker and a big and Gobert and Cat to stretch and Nas to come in and fill in minutes. I like it. I like the whole basketball team. And I, I, I'm just I'm excited and curious to see where Anthony Edwards can go from from this man. He got a sniff of the playoffs last year. Can these guys actually pull it together, Drew? They're built. God, I can't believe I'm saying it, but they are built like a championship team, man. And uh, I'm just curious. We got to give them the props. What do you think about Mini right now? Can they hold that number one spot, or should they be concerned about Jamal Murray coming back for Denver and then Denver rightening the ship? Yeah, I think Denver will definitely ride the ship when Jamal comes back. So that's that'll just be there. Uh, and Minnesota can can continue to to you know kind of shock the world a little bit here, right? I don't I don't think too many people thought it was going to click like this to start the season. Um, but look, if I had to judge this for what it is right now, this smells a lot like Utah Jazz Rudy Gobert teams. Fantastic in the regular season. Mm. We'll have to see what happens in the postseason. And I will hold that this whole year i'll hold it until we get to the postseason and then again uh, maybe there's a theme today but they can prove me wrong in the postseason but look if if minnesota right if minnesota is gonna shock the world and be in this one i mean they're the number one seed in the the western conference right now which is awesome for them i'm very i'm stoked for this team uh but if they're gonna do this during the regular season that's what everyone's thoughts are going to be right because Gobert's never really been able to get it done when it comes to the postseason but the he also has never had uh, a, a a teammate like uh Carl Anthony Towns to to sit Gobert right like that was the biggest problem with with Utah Jazz and Donovan Mitchell uh and Gobert was that they didn't have someone that could play the small ball right they needed a Nas Reed or they needed you know, a Carl Anthony Towns, something a Lowry marketing would have been great for them <laughs> back when when Gobert was on that team. Somebody that's big, but that can also kind of shift down and be an offensive presence the way that Rudy Gobert can't be. Um, but I what I will say is it's obviously a very positive thing. Anthony Edwards averaging like twenty six a game. Cat uh, is averaging close to twenty two points a game and like nine boards. Gobert is like twelve points, eleven rebounds a game. Uh, and, and I think a piece of this, that's really important. And when you watch Minnesota that comes through is, uh, is, is, uh, Jaden McDaniels and for Jaden McDaniels specifically, what he does is, is essential because he is the defensive stopper on the perimeter, right? You, you can always funnel people down to go bear and you got the rim protector there, but, uh, he can go ahead and take the burden and guard the best, most explosive player, on the offense for the opposition and that takes him off the, the takes the pressure off Anthony Edwards to have to do that. Now Anthony Edwards can uh guard their second best perimeter player and then do a pretty good job of of locking them up as as he's shown his defensive prowess um to be, you know, when when he really wants to Ant Edwards can be a very a special defensive player. Um but 
I think the point I'm making with the Jaden McDaniels thing is like, while we all think that the Rudy Gobert trade, I still stand by this, is one of the worst trades of all time because of how much Minnesota had to give up. What I will say is that they've done a great job of filling those holes, right? Gobert came in. Yeah, that was nice. And they got Conley. That's also nice. Jaden McDaniels is nice. Kyle Anderson is nice on that team. Uh, they got Nikhil Alexander Walker on that team. Of course, they kept Nas Reed, Troy Brown, Lakers Lakers uh, uh, player last year, very solid, but barely getting any minutes for them because they don't need him right now. Um, so I just think they've they've done a great job. While I still think the trade is dumb and bad, and they gave up too much, it is working out because they were able to react and fill in the rest of the holes, uh, fill in those gaps that they needed to when they got Gobert. And then you have, truthfully, which is what you started with. And what I'll finish on, you have Anthony Edwards on your team, who's who's I think probably the best young player in the NBA outside of Luka Doncic. You know, when we talk about ages, you know, Tatum's in there, Doncic in there. Anthony Edwards is is right there in my mind with these guys and, and is going to continue to get better. Averaging 26 a game, he could easily average 32. But I also think he's at he's at a stage where he's already uh, grown mentally, perhaps more than his teammate Carl Anthony Towns has in his entire career. Anthony Edwards is not forcing the issue here. He's playing within the flow of the team, letting everyone get their moments. And then when it's time, he he calls his number and then he he's doing it. I mean, he's it's great. It's it's really great what Minnesota is doing. And and I agree. The team is built well. I just won't hold my breath until we get until they can get into the second or third round, right? I think what no, I agree. And I think yeah, but it, also they don't have D'Lo there. <laughs> I mean, right. getting D'Lo out of there. And bringing a guy like Mike Conley in, which was low-key, such a huge move for them. We brought it up on the show at the time it happened. But it's getting rid of D'Lo and bringing in Conley. Bringing in Conley for a guy that's played with Rudy Gobert to teach yep. these guys how to play with Rudy Gobert, where he likes it, what his temperament is. You know what I mean? Like That's why they brought him in there. And again, something that we've stressed on this podcast many times is having another adult in the room, Conley, a vet a teammate's teammate. This guy is great for the locker room. Uh, he's been to the playoffs many, many times. Uh, he knows what it takes. And I just think bringing that guy in there, because Rudy, Rudy, as, as much as we want to rip on Rudy, he is so important to this team and any team that he plays on because his value in defense and rebounding is so humongous. And if you can just get to a, a point where Rudy is just focused on defense and rebounding, like if that is your sole job, you don't got to worry about the, the sky hook. You don't got to, or in, in, you know, in the trash buckets, that's fine. We can want all that. We don't want any offense from you. Zero. And you're also very right. Sometimes when Rudy's unplayable against small ball, you have a guy like Nas Reed to bring in to pair up with Carl Anthony Towns that can spread the floor like crazy. Nas Reed knows how to get to the rack and shoot a three-pointer. They're, they're, they're just built perfectly. If they could stay healthy throughout the year, not do dumb shit like uh, McDaniel's did last year with with punching the wall and stuff like that and ruining your opportunities, like you got to stay focused. So we just wanted to give a minute to Minnesota, but I'm with you on that. I want to see where they are in April. Uh, I, they do have potential though. With when healthy, they could hold down the number one spot. Once you get a little more confidence in you and you're winning all these games and you're beating all these teams that, that are supposed to beat you and you get this, if anything that, that Anthony Edwards brings to the table besides being an all-star is a swag. There's a swag about him that's like, look, dude, we're, we're, we're good enough to beat everybody in this NBA. Yeah, And if you we got, just have Carl Anthony Towns do and, the and same thing. It's, it's, it's cool because right now, like if you look at 
Minnesota's schedule, uh, the teams that they faced, that they haven't, you know, they they beat Denver early November first. They beat Boston early November sixth. Uh, haven't really played uh, a ridiculously strong team since November sixth. They played the Warriors who are their L's, twice. Though, Drew, who are, they, who are their L's? They well, they played the Warriors twice and won both of those meetings. That one of those was the the Draymond Green chokehold, and then um, they lost to the Suns pretty handily. The Suns beat them right, so that's a good team. And they lost there. But they have tomorrow night, uh, the 28th, they have a great matchup against the number two seed team that we've kind of touched on a little bit tangentially through Josh Giddy. They have Oklahoma City, who's the number two seed in the West right now. Uh, uh, you know, in a, I think it's an in-season tournament game. I don't know. It's hard to remember which games are which. We'll find out when we look at the floor. Uh, but they have <laughs> that, that matchup, one versus two. Uh, and that'll be a fun one. I think that'll be really interesting because – Oklahoma City, if they have their way, they will play Gobert off the court because Gobert will not be able to stay with Chet Holmgren uh, perimeter from the, on the perimeter. Like Chet should be able to, to have his way with him um, offensively. So if Oklahoma City has their way, it'll be Carl Anthony Towns at the center or it'll be Nas Reed at the center. But if Minnesota can control the game, Gobert's ass will be out there. They'll slow this bitch down. They'll make uh, Chet Holmgren get into foul trouble by feeding go bear in the post you know you don't have to you don't have to um feature him in the post but you know on the pick and rolls and whatnot like okc is not big they do not have rim protection outside of chad holmgren so they should try to force the issue get anthony edwards going downhill get those guys going at the basket uh we'll see who kind of wins in that arm wrestling contest i'll be very interested i'll be watching that game closely very very interested to see which way it goes as to who can grasp control of the game and the styles of play and the differences between the two. But Clips, uh, it, within that, did you ever think that, you know, here we are a month into the season, 17 games in the year, that the one and two seed in the Western Conference would be Minnesota and Oklahoma City, respectively? I wasn't seeing Minnesota. I think we were all high on OKC. And I, I, I just want to – we've spent so much time on OKC and SGA. Um, you know, they're 11-5 and five right now. SGA is averaging 30 Six, six, and two steals a game. The guy's playing out of his mind. Yeah, but I, I, I want to spend a second on Chet because I wasn't sold on Chet coming in the NBA. I wasn't, I wasn't down on him, but I needed to see he was a show me kind of guy. And everything I've seen from Chet is, uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. Everything I've seen, I saw him against Embiid the other night. With uh, he's he's got that, he's got he's cut from a different cloth, man. He's he's a hooper. And uh, the the dude can get buckets and make things really hard for defenses, especially when he can knock down the three. I like his motor. I like everything that he does. So I, I wasn't a buyer at Chet. Everybody's a buyer now. I'm sold on Chet, and I'm sold on Chet. Like, look, OKC really needs to to make sure that it's SGA and Chet moving forward, right? Like these are the guys. If we're gonna keep if we're gonna keep rolling, which they're gonna roll this year, uh, those two need to be the focal points. And at some point, they're gonna have to pay everybody, right? Whether you know Giddy SGA already got paid, but Chet's gonna have to get paid. Uh, uh, the 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 Williamses are gonna have to be paid. Dort, I think, just got some some money, but yep. Um, we're all sold on OKC. We're all sold on them. But no, did I think it would be one and two Minnesota and OKC? Nah, but I didn't think it'd be Pelicans and and Utah last year at this right. point or right. two years ago. I didn't think it was gonna be Chicago. So, uh, I just think, man, that. And again, this isn't rocket science. 
every game that I watch with SGA just looks like some, you know, sometimes players are playing checkers and some are playing chess. And this guy, even though the shot doesn't look right, the guy gets to his spots. You know, I've been following his trainer for years, Olin Sims, uh, the guard whisperer. I've been watching SGA workout since he was a clipper. The guy puts in the work in the off season, right? Puts it all in. And it just seems like that game to me, the, the, the golden state game a couple nights ago where they went to OT and, you know, Chet, what's crazy about that game is Chet had three horrible plays before he finally hit the three to, to make him go to OT. I think it was yeah. to go to OT. Um, but SGA got every bucket after that, and they were hard buckets. He got to his spots, the the, the sixteen foot jumper. He had a, a, a. You never see Steph Curry get blocked on three pointers. He played Steph so well. Just everything I'm seeing from some of these guys, man. I brought him up already, but like we're seeing how like Halliburton was nice as rookie in second year, but now we're seeing holy shit, this guy's got the confidence uh, that's crazy, and he's out here just balling. And SGA just looks like dude. These guys put some good, solid players around me. We can go – we're going to go as far as I let us go. And yeah. with Chet and his swagger and everything he brings to the table, Drew, he's nice, man. You saw it. I didn't see it, uh, but I'm definitely seeing it now. And maybe that one year of not playing and being able to be around the game and just soak it in and be a sponge really helped him a lot because he he just looks great. And he, he doesn't look intimidated by anybody, like zero. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I think you called out the Embiid game there. Like, that's a the prime example. I think Chet Chet really does think that he's he deserves to be there. He belongs there, and I I think he's right. I mean, look, the team desperately needed him, so it, it was also one of those things where they drafted well enough um, to take Chet Chet at two, and then you know he had the of course like the season long injury, which was like the nightmare. But you know sometimes that works out in a positive light. I mean, Embiid missed his first year. There's been a bunch of guys that have played fantastically well after missing their first season, um, especially when you're a frail guy like Chet. It, I think it probably it had to have benefited him in some capacity. Um, but you know, my my only thing with them, and and it'll be interesting to see you know how maybe it works or maybe it doesn't. But they they do need another big. Right. Like, and so they have all the picks, they have all these assets. It's like, who, who can they get? And like, why wouldn't they go for Daniel Tice? If it was that easy to get Daniel Tice, <laughs> why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you give that a go? Uh, and, and just have some other, cause I mean, that's, that's, that's their biggest problem is, is if Chet goes into foul trouble and especially against a team, you know, like, like Minnesota, for instance, that's going to be on, on tomorrow night. They're fucked. <laughs> they're, they got no size. So um, that's that'll be like the most interesting piece for this year. You know, we'll, we'll talk a lot about Minnesota, too, is, is potentially within this realm. But like these teams that could add something that it can capitalize on momentum, capitalize on the things that they found. You know, you don't want to shake it up by removing a piece and then, you know, the whole Jenga blocks fall all the way down to the ground. You don't want to do that. But you really want to be additive here and take a, a real strong look at what minimal changes you can do to be as strong as possible in all scenarios. Because heaven forbid Chet rolls his ankle and is out for two weeks, Oklahoma City is not going to be sitting in the two seed. You can guarantee that. You can guarantee that if he's out for two weeks, there's no chance they're going to keep his winning ways up. He's so valuable to the team. He's going to be, I think he's going to be the rookie of the year. I think Victor Wenbanyama is a better player than Chet. I do. But I don't think. I don't think San Antonio is going to win enough games, which, you know, that like, it goes we back talk to about that. Yeah. I mean, I just, it goes back to like what the award actually is and what, what does it mean? Like it, it should be for right. the most 
the most valuable rookie that's out there. And I don't think there's a case that you could make that Victor Wembanyama is not the most valuable rookie to any franchise. I don't think mm-hmm. that's a possible case to argue. He is. And I think he's a better basketball player than Chet Holmgren right now. I do. I think even though their their matchup between one another was kind of kind of fizzled out. It wasn't spectacular by any means. Oh. But uh, I do think that Chet will win rookie of the year because he is a huge part of a team that's a good team that has a shot at contention this year, 100%, has a legit shot at contention this year. Uh, and his impact is is measurable. You can just look at what it was last year versus this year and go, oh, look at that. They're much better. So I think Chet, at least for now, is my rookie of the year, even though if if we remove the team aspect, I think I would have to choose Victor. I, I actually want to talk about that in a sec. I had one more winner that I wanted to bring up. And that was uh, the Houston Rockets. And again, we already kind of already uh, touched on it. They're only winning. They're they're eight and six. They're in the eighth spot right now. They started the season really hot, but they're winning because they have a winning coach and they're playing much better basketball than they did last year. And I'm going to reiterate one more time. I've said it last season. Uh, Alpi Shangun is the best player on that basketball team. And he, uh, I think once they realize that, like they can run the whole offense through Alpi, which is insane. Um, he's got this pow slash Dirk thing. I want him to stop with the flamingo shot though. He's been doing a lot of the one-legged flamingo shot thing that he's been working on. <laughs> but when you watch this kid play, man, his foot, he was on, uh, Paul George's podcast yesterday, two days ago. And, uh, Paul George had him on because he, he, he killed us when we played Houston. He's just so nice. His footwork is amazing. He can shoot. Uh, he can pass the rock like Powell could pass the rock. He's got all of the intangibles. He's got all the skills. And when you surround them, again, with adults in the room and Ime and Fred and even freaking crazy Dylan Brooks and Jalen and, and Jabari and all these guys, I think they're winning. They're, they're winning right now because they're already better off than they were last season. Um, but really, we got to get into losers really quick, Drew, unless you have anything to say about Houston. No, I'm good. I think you nailed it. You're good. And we'll see. Houston is another one that at eight and six, like I, they can also drop really fast, quick. Who knows? It can, it can definitely happen. But going to the like the losers so far, I had the Spurs as one of them, and not because of their horrible record, right? Um, and it is a bad where they're three and 14 right now. But like we've been talking about all years, who's going to be rookie of the year, Chet, or is it going to be uh, Wembo? And, and I think you're right. I think Chet could win rookie of the year and should win rookie of the year right now. But also like the reason why the Spurs are in the losers category is Chet has a dude like SGA, the best point guard in the NBA. And Wembo has Sohan, which is right. This is a a Popovich project that he dreamed up in a dream thinking Sohan's going to be the point guard of the future, making this guy change everything that he's ever known. And, and honestly, he's not a point guard. He's the glue guy. He's the guy you want on your basketball team. Everybody likes Sohan. I'll take Sohan in a second. But making Sohan a point guard just make things so hard for Wimbo. And mostly when Wimbo's on the court, he looks like the point guard over Sohan or anybody else on that team. So Chet has it a lot easier, in my opinion, playing with a lot better talent than Wimbo does. But, um, you know, I, I'm not so sure that I expected more from the Spurs Three and fourteen. I mean, I would hope. Hopefully, they would be five and twelve or something like that. Right now, three and fourteen is pretty bad, especially when Memphis is just one game behind you, and they're the other losers that I have on this because they're just they're, they're horrible. So there was a viral video of Marcus Smart talking to the t- talking to the, the Grizzly bench last night, saying like, "Yo, this shit's embarrassing. What we're doing out here is embarrassing, and it is. 
It is, but like look at look at their their the depth that they have right now. And we've said this before. Like Desmond Bain is nice. I like Desmond Bain, not as a number one. J, uh, Triple J, the the block Panther is nice, but not as a number two right now. And when you when you're thinking about, oh, we'll just wait for Ja. We're gonna wait for Ja. But once they get to these 25 games, man, I think the hole's gonna be too deep to climb out. Of. And um, you know, Grizzlies have been known for you know their tenacity and how they fight and their energy and and just griminess of playing. And I'm not seeing it with them right now. So I have them on my losers as well. And I did have one more loser, Drew, but I'm not bringing it up. I was I was going to try to make waves on the show a little bit. <laughs> I'm not bringing it up only because we're playing them tonight and Jamal Murray's coming back in a week. I was bringing Denver up as one of the losers. Wow. I know it sounds weird. I know. I know it sounds weird with Denver being in the fourth seed. But the reason why I have them in the losers for the month is because they've gone on a little a little skid, a losing skid. And I'm also not seeing the championship swagger at all. I'm not seeing stuff. I'm not seeing Aaron Gordon isn't getting much better. Michael Porter Jr. is still Michael Porter Jr. not getting much better. I think, you know, I like to look at Michael Porter Jr.'s assists every night. I think in the past five games, he's had five <laughs> assists. You know what I'm saying? Right. And at one point, like, I think it was like two games ago. He had only had seven assists for the whole season. And you're like, okay, bro, <laughs> what what are what are we doing here, MPJ? Okay, and I don't know if that's just because Joker's running the whole show, but like to me, that shows we're just not swinging the basketball at all. Either you're a black hole, or you're just you're just not swinging the rock. So yeah. I wanted to make waves, but how how am I going to make waves when I don't even have the Clippers as the loser, a loser in this position? But I'm going to put number four Denver in. So I'm taking de- <laughs> back my Denver. <laughs> my Denver take. I just wanted to make a few waves, and I was going to bring the uh, bring up the Warriors as well, um, just because they are so Steph dependent right now. We've talked so much about the Warriors. Obviously, Clay struggles, and it hurts us. It hurts us, Clips and Drew, when we have to talk negatively about Clay. I think most basketball fans. I mean, we see it. We all see what's going on, right? But a lot of us don't want to acknowledge it because we love Clay so much and we we know what it takes to come back from crazy injuries and and you know, real crazy in, injuries, uh career-ending injuries, and it's hard to see one of our favorite players and talk negatively negatively about it. So, I'm not going to bring up the Warriors and I'm not going to bring up Denver. I just wanted to bring up Memphis and San Antonio. For those two reasons. And and, uh, did I already preface why we don't have Lakers or Clippers in this yet or no? I don't think you did. I did. I think I did it in the pre-show. The reason why I don't have the Clippers in the winners or the losers situation is not only am I tired of talking about the Clippers, and I'm sure you guys are too, but we have to touch on the Clippers every day. But I don't know if we're winners or we're losers yet because right now I'm feeling positive, right? But I could also be negative. Like I think we're trending, okay? I think we're trending right now. So I'm not, and then I don't know what to make of the Lakers because the day I want to talk shit about the Lakers, AD will come out and drop 38 and look like the best center in the NBA. And then tomorrow we're going to see AD with a 12 and four night. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know what to do. All I know is LeBron's great and he's doing what he's been doing for 21 goddamn seasons and he just continues to do it. So I don't have Clippers or Lakers in there. Not because I'm biased. I just, I just don't, I just don't know where to put them. <laughs> that's fair. No, that's fair. I also think you could probably add Detroit and uh, and Washington uh, to the list of losers. Can I, can I say something? That... <laughs> I, I'm going to say that now that you mentioned it. I'm bringing it up. The only game I'm watching tonight, besides Denver Clippers, is we have the Barnbuster. We have 
Washington and Detroit tonight. Who's going to battle? Two and 14, both of them. So it's the battle for three wins tonight. That's the game I'm watching. I don't even get me started on Jordan Poole, bro. There's a reason why I'm not bringing it. I wonder at least with Detroit. That game is a game that no one wants to win. That's a game that that they will. I don't even know if they will. I don't know how they can do it. Like, will they? There would just be no. I'll tell you. It'd be a layup lines. I'll tell you. No, I'll tell you how 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 Washington loses the game. Tell Jordan Poole to go out there and do everything he can to win the game. That's how you do it. That's how Washington loses the game. That would be my strategy. Well, see, to me, I think that's that. This is the game that Jordan Poole will score fifty and win them the game. When they don't want to win, is the game that he will go for fifty <laughs> points in a, in a matchup where they're like, Jordan, please lose this game because we need we want to be lower than them. We want to get better odds for the draft. He's like, got it. Here comes fifty points so that we can win by twenty. That's what I'll do. Um. Yeah, those teams are obviously <laughs> losers. I think the teams that you've mentioned thus far, uh, San Antonio seems like it's, it's their intent because the Sohan, Sochan point guard thing is is terrible. It makes no sense. They have a very good backup point guard who should be starting in Trey, Trey Jones, who would be Wembo. I think Wembo's numbers would jump exponentially if they just had a normal point guard in the game. Uh, but you know, pop's going for some new age shit where he wants all six, nine guys and above and, or whatever, six, seven and above. I think Devin Vassell is six, five or six, six. So he's just trying something out. And what I will say is that, uh, they don't need to win. Right. So they're fine. They can just keep plotting along like this and try and get another draft pick and just get more minutes for Victor and then see what they can do in the off season for, uh, draft and then free agency, which is I think where where they're going to go. Uh, but Vassell is looking great, by the way. I, that money looked like it might be well spent, even though it was an astronomical astronomical number for a guy that was averaging like 13 points a game last season and get paid 100 plus million, 140 million dollars, whatever it was. Uh, that seemed like a what the fuck contract was that? But it actually looks like it might be pretty good for them. That guy can score. He's a hell of a shooter. He's a good mid-range player. So uh, San Antonio, definitely losers. Detroit, Washington, definitely losers. Memphis feels just like they're stuck in the mud. And I think that's going to be the case until we get job back. And, you know, let's see what it looks like after job returns. And then maybe they can turn on the Jets and get into the postseason somehow or another. But it does feel like, you know, when we were stock- first talking about the outlook for the Grizzlies, I thought maybe they could be 10 and 15. I thought maybe they could be even as good as 12 and 13, but certainly definitely thought it was going to be like, okay, maybe nine and 16. Like they would be, they wouldn't be terrible. And lo and behold, they can barely pull a win out to save their life. Uh, And it looks like they might be five and 20 when jaw comes back, which is a number I think you threw out randomly being like, (laughs) I don't know if they're going to be better than that a couple episodes ago. Uh And if you're five and 20, that's a really, really tough outlook, right? When you get your star player back, still no Steven Adams for the year, still no uh, Brandon Clark for the year. It's going to be uphill battle, uphill fucking battle for them all day long. Uh, this just feels like it's not their season. So I I think you're right as far as like to put them in the loser category. There's no other way to do it right now. They're not winning, so they have to be in the losers category. That is the only team of the list, though, that I think can change their outlook. Once you know, obviously they're missing a giant piece that's going to return very shortly. Should be really rested. Should be super ready to go. Um, and uh, my my hope is that he is, and he can hit the ground running and just start 
being the electric John Morant that we all are used to seeing and giving Desmond Bain some help on the offensive end. But I like the list. I like the list of losers. I think Lakers and Clippers, um, you know, we're probably being nice for 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 both of our teams. I don't think the Lakers are in the winners category. I don't think we're in the losers losers category either. Um, right. You know, it we're ten and seven right now, and on any given night, you can turn on the TV and be like, "Oh, they're in the winners category." Oh shit, they're in the losers category. Like you said, I mean, Anthony Davis up and down performance offensively. The rest of his game has been very, very solid this year. And LeBron James is our best player yet again. Every year I, I'm waiting for Anthony to go like, okay, cool. I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it. It's never going to happen, Drew. It's nope. never going to happen. Nope. It's LeBron uh, yet again. He's clearly the best player on the team. It's crazy. <laughs> I do appreciate Darvin Ham moving Austin Reeves to the bench. I think Austin Reeves appreciates that. Uh, it's working out quite well right now the way that it is. I think the D'Lo Reeves backcourt was always doomed, to be honest. Like, one of mm-hmm. them needed to go to the bench, so it makes sense for Austin to go that route uh, with his struggles and with how well D'Lo's been performing. But uh, I, I'm not I'm not comfortable with calling the Lakers winners yet. I still think we have a very strong team. Still no Jared Vanderbilt for the, for, uh, the season yet. He hasn't been able to step on the court. Uh, but we do have everyone else back. Torian Prince, Rui Hachimura, everyone else is kind of looking all right um we we did lose to dallas in a pretty tough like really tough game for us which we crawled all the way back from like down 20 25 and uh should have won that game should have won that game but timmy hardaway hit a nice three um austin reeves collapsed on defense when he he shouldn't have but uh yeah look uh i like your list uh i think there's only one other team that i would like to just throw on potentially onto the winner's list, and that's the Phoenix Suns. They've won seven in a row. They are the hottest team in the NBA alongside the goal, the uh, the Orlando Magic that we brought up earlier. Uh, and this is without Kevin Durant for two of those games, which is very interesting. Bradley Beal's been out. Devin Booker just hit a crazy Madison Square Garden three-point winner, uh, which was so cool to see. Uh, but I uh, just can't count them out yet. And I, I would put them in the winner's category. I think they've done enough to be in that category to start the season. And and considering the fact that they haven't all been there yet, that the, the big three has yet to, I think, play a game together, uh, that's got to feel like a win, right? <laughs> if you if you won seven in a row and you're in the positive category in the top four seeds in the West and you're three that you are all banking on winning a championship with have yet to touch the floor together, that's got to feel a little bit like a win, right? Well, yeah, they are they are winners, but I hate Phoenix, and it's our show, and I didn't want to talk about them. So, of course, I'm not stupid either. I mean, yeah, they're great, and we haven't seen the, the trio together. I did want to say one more thing back to the Spurs. While the Spurs are in the losers category, you, you are a winner when you have Wimbenyama. So, like, <laughs> you're still winning at life, like at right. basketball life. You have this guy. Like, you will you you will be fine once you put some people around him. And uh, so you, you're not necessarily a loser. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you got this guy. You got the future of your franchise. Right. Losing this season. This season is what we're focused on. Right. Definitely losing this. And if year. we <laughs> no, and if we wanted to like look, we could spend 45 minutes talking about the Washington Wizards and how much we hate them and what Jordan, you know, everything that's going on with Jordan Poole. And like, man, this guy's turning in to be one of the most like hated guys now in the NBA. Yep. And I think he's bringing that upon himself. And now they're thinking about trading him already. And it's like, I don't know what his value is. I have no idea. So they're already trying to get off Jordan Poole. I mean, we all saw it. We saw the writing on the wall that like Kuzma and Poole are not going to work. I'd much rather have Kuzma be my number one right now than JP. So 
Um, which is sad because I like Jordan. I mean, I do. Li- I liked old Jordan Poole. I don't know if I like this version of Jordan Poole. Right. The shit that I'm seeing on the bench, the walk the dog, not knowing that the shot clock goes down when you walk the dog. Like, come on, bro. You got, you're the point guard. You got to understand this. You got to you got to totally. Is it the game clock or the shot clock? Game, game clock. clock does In that this. instance, it mm-hmm. was the game clock. Yeah. Right. Just come on, dude. Get, get your shit together, man. So yeah. that's the battle tonight. Uh, Drew, do you have final thoughts for us at all? Of course. I want to hear your final thought on our 300th episode. Yeah, 300 episodes in. I'm not sure exactly which episode we started Final Thoughts. I feel like it was back on like 97 or something like that. Because we didn't always sign off with Final Thoughts. Maybe it was a little bit later than We didn't. We we used to be able to sign off with an awesome song that Spotify said we can't do anymore. (laughs) We we broke a couple copyright infringement laws. (laughs) In the early we got a few days. letters, guys. We, we slid Sorry, under. Sorry, Drake. Slid under the radar for a while. Um, Sorry, Drake and ASAP Rocky. We're just trying to push your music, dude. Yeah, Drake's people really didn't like us. They went after us. We did. We used a lot of his music, but that's you know neither here nor there. We thought it was cross promotion, right? Like, are we really hurting anybody so, by playing a song? You're helping you out. Everyone likes the song. It's good. People, We're helping you. We're not. People, you know, come on. Uh, people help. People listen to us in Canada. Come on, dude. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, and ahead, like we definitely we said his name. We we mentioned the album. We did we checked all the boxes. Like we weren't trying to steal it for our own content. Doesn't matter. Um, but my thought for the 300th episode, I was thinking about something fun, something uh, you know that could shake up the way that you know we go about our NBA process. And I, I keep going back to you know after watching all these uh, in season tournament games and seeing you know uh, the nba's efforts and trying to make something happen make some excitement out of the middle you know the early stages of the season makes all the sense in the world but then i keep going back to the fact that even with this in-season tournament you know you have kevin durant was out like i mentioned uh you know madison square garden you have, you have teams that are not necessarily trying very hard in this play-in quote-unquote in in-season tournament uh, it has not revolutionized the season, right? You still got stars missing left and right uh, from injury or whatnot. So I came up and I devised a plan, at least in my head. I'd love to see what your reaction to this is, Clips, for a way to reduce the load on these players without reducing the number of games played, right? This seems to be the sticking point between the owners of the NBA teams and the players in the NBA is 82 games, 41 home games gives me my nut, right? That gives them the, the profits that the owners need. They don't want to give up any of these home games, so they cannot reduce the schedule. That's the whole thing. So here's what I did, Clips. I said, let's keep it 82. Let's keep it 82. Let's drop the minutes down. We don't need to be playing 48-minute games, 12-minute quarters. Let's drop it down to 40. You save eight minutes a game. You still have 82 games. The load is lesser. You know, on on each one of your star players, the load becomes less. Those back-to-backs become much easier. Those three and and fives or, you know, four and seven kind of five and seven kind of uh, road trips that you'll have are much easier. This also gives uh, the entry to the 65-66 game rule in order to be considered all NBA. And it's an easier entry point. So what this actually does, Clips, you still get your 82 games, so all the owners are happy. They get their 41 home games. They fill the stands. The game goes by faster, which I actually think is a benefit in a regular season that's monotonous and people are saying there's too many games up. Cool. We'll make these fuckers go faster. 
it saves when you do that. When you drop those eight minutes off of 82 games, you get 656 minutes saved. That's the equivalent of 14 48-minute games. So you're saving essentially, give or take, about 13, 14 games, like 13.6666 games. If you do what I suggest, you still get all the home games. You still get 82 up on the scoreboard. And for the record books, you still have all the rules in place for, you know, making sure that players are playing when they're not injured and da-da-da-da. But this just seems like a win-win. What are your thoughts? I like it. I think 10-minute quarters are not bad at all. You know, the more I think about it, if you really do the math, it's it's saved 600 and some odd minutes, right, per team? 56. 656 minutes over the course of 82 games. 82 you, games you drop, per team. If, no, no, no. So hold on. If you take 82 games for the Clippers, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. It and you reduce the minutes from 48 to 40 for each one of those games, the dividend, what is left, is 656 minutes. So that would be, you know, those minutes are essentially saved off of the legs of all your players. Yeah, but if you, then you do that by 30 teams. Yeah. Right? So if you do the math. It so means, it's essentially you know, saving what, 14 I, games for each team. 14 games for right, each team. I, I, you know what? I love it. I think it's great. And the one thing is that the games are too long. You know, yep. if, if they're long for L.A. guys watching L.A. games, you know, 730 games aren't finishing till 1015 at night based, you know, without overtime games. And then on the East Coast, that's one one thirty in the morning. How the hell are you supposed to watch the games? You know, I, I actually like it, Drew. I think it's something I haven't heard it before. And I think that could be something that could be brought up. Now, that does that cut into, obviously, commercial time, those final yep. two minutes where – you're getting timeouts and and close no, close see, games. I, this is the thing with- is I think actually the, the 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 game patterns will be identical, right? You'll call timeouts mm-hmm. when you when the when the when the game is you know running low. You'll still have the foul, so they have all this advertising can happen. They have, by the way, I mean, dude, they they're imposing advertising on the court these days. They have banners and mm-hmm. they got fucking ads on the backboards and ads on the fucking jerseys. Like I don't know how many mm-hmm. more ads they can possibly be, but what you could do is you give. If, you, if you're worried about the average, which I did think about this, obviously, as you can tell, uh, you give them a little extra buffer in the quarters. In between each quarter and at halftime, you give them an extra 90 seconds for advertising. You say, okay, this is not going to be just your normal two or three minute commercial. This is a four or five minute mm-hmm. commercial in between these quarters. Uh, and it will be fine. They will not lose advertising dollars in or, you know, advertising minutes in that sense. I love it, man. Actually, the more the more I'm thinking about it, and the more I'm thinking about the new TV deal, whoever gets it, like whether it's Amazon or Apple, you're like, okay, that gives us another minute and a half during a timeout to plug whatever the hell we got going on. Amazon would be down for that and would probably push for that. I like it, Drew. I like it. I think it needs to be brought. You know what? I'm gonna make a video of it. I'll make a video of this. I'll put it on our page. We'll see what people think. I love it. And I'm surprised nobody brought that up. Thank you, man. You know, I, I'm sure it's, I'm sure I can't be the only person who has who who has thought of this. I, I'm sure I haven't I can't heard be. it, uh, but it is an original thought of mine. I didn't I didn't just steal this from somebody that I heard say it. I just it came to me the other night when I was sitting on my couch watching a game, going like, "What time is it? Good God, it is it's it is ten forty seven. Like, what are we doing? Can we can this game it's be the over? fourth quarter? And it's just you know what I mean. Like, especially like what I've noticed recently. And and this is probably has been the case for several years. Like the, if it's a non-competitive NBA game for whatever reason, if it's the two teams are just kind of taking it easy, that first half sucks balls. 
Like they can just mm. be so bad and so slow. And then it always, you know, kind of tends to ramp up a little bit in the second half if the game is close. But this will just get to that point. It'll just get us to that fourth quarter faster, which is where, where all the action is. My mom, I love my mom very much. She has watched thousands of hours of sports with my family, with my dad and myself, my brother. We forced her to watch all types of sports, including the NBA. But my mom learned well into, you know, well into my dad's relationship with her that she really only needs to show up for the last three or four minutes of any NBA game. And that's when all the action goes down. So look, the idea around the in-season tournament, the idea about getting more excited, uh, getting people to, to watch more games, let's give them what they want. Ba- baseball did it. Baseball shortened these games up, bro. And, and the viewership mm-hmm. responded. The, the attendance mm-hmm. responded. Uh, so this is something I think we can steal from baseball in that sense. And, uh, and then, and then, and then everyone gets what they want. The players get 14 less games. The the owners get to keep all their home games. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, right. they lose 14 games win-win. minutes, but then everything else is, is, is like good to go. I, I think it's a win-win. I, it's definitely a win-win we'll see what our listeners have to think about it. The one thing that I've given up on, uh, with, I mean, especially with the Clippers, is I, I was always big on finish. I mean, I watch every single game, but I also like press conference. I like re- I yep. like the presser. I like listening to the players. I gave up on that on, uh, <laughs> last season, and no, I gave up on it because I can catch it in the morning. They have yeah. the, the it's all it's all on NBA to, TV or whatever you want. Yeah, I don't need to stay up anymore. And I also like I'm grown enough to know that I know a blowout when I see one and it's like, dude, I, I, I can get, I, when Diabate is on the court, I know that I can go to bed, right? Like the game's <laughs> over, whether it be a Clippers win or not. But when, when Diabate and Xavier moon are, are playing, it, that means clips go to bed. So, uh, cause it gets late, bro. You know, for guys like me well, that have to be up at 5am, it's a lot. And we're on the West coast. We're, we're on the golden coast for sports. So this will help all of our East coast, Midwest central time. Like it'll help everybody. All the people around That's the world why that I like just to watch basketball. There's no way Stephen A. Smith can watch all these games. There's no way this guy's up until 2 a.m. in the morning watching all these games and then being able to talk about them at 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't know how the hell he does it. So uh, my final thought's going to be uh, quick. And it's going to be, you know, bro, I've been on these steroids. I'm finally done. Today was my last day on these steroids for my for my MS, which is, I think my vision's getting better. I still have double vision. But again, waking up this morning, I was a little emotional. I was really excited uh, to do this show. I'm always excited to do this show with Drew. But, you know, man, when you live alone, and I, I mentioned about, like, tapping yourself on the back sometimes. I got to hype myself up sometimes. And, you know, hitting 300 is, it's a it's a milestone. I'm super super proud of both of us for doing this. Um, and I got a little emotional and you know what our our boy combo on his show the other night, he was having an an interview with his friend or whatnot. And he meant, he said something that was so important. He's just like, look, nobody cares how hard you work. Like we can talk about how much time and energy and, and, and just fucking so much time and effort, whether it's just the show or the social or creating content or talking to our listeners, it's a lot of work. And Combo was saying, nobody cares about the work. Nobody cares about how hard you work. They care about the product and are you entertained? And that's so true. And there's a lot of value in that because we do care about entertaining people. I do appreciate people that, you know, time is the most valuable thing anybody can give you. And when people give you an hour and a half a week or three hours a week to choose you to listen to, I got chills saying this shit. It means a lot. 
especially with two guys who came up with an idea seven years ago to continue our passion because we can't really play the game the way we want to play it anymore, but we have to find some kind of avenue, some kind of lane to continue doing what we love. And to be seven years into this shit, it's huge. And I think it's a huge milestone for me personally. It's about having an idea, uh, creating an idea, and and following through, that's the name of our show is the follow through and it's following through with everything. And we have, and through these seven years, man, we've got to experience and share memories about a sport that we love with people from all over the world. And I'm going through it. You know, we always bring up 2017s when we started and that's the Tatum draft, the Markel Fultz draft. But like, when you think about shit, man, we went through that. We went through Kawhi getting traded to Toronto to hitting one of the most miraculous shots ever to win a championship to Toronto, to being traded to the Clippers, to Paul George coming, to LeBron winning a finally a chip and going back to Cleveland and winning a chip and then bouncing to Hollywood and winning a chip in Hollywood. And then we all went through the fucking traumatic time of Kobe dying and dealing with it all in our own ways and dealing with it through this show. This is what we do. This is how we dealt with it. And then going into the bubble, which was crazy and everything that happened to the bubble. And we've just experienced, and we're seeing Wembenyama when we started, the kid was fucking 12. When we started, LaMelo Ball had braces and was a, was a freaking freshman in high school hitting, pointing at the half court, hitting half court shots. And now we're seeing LaMelo as a top point guard in the NBA. We're watching these people grow up in front of our eyes. And the fact that we get to experience it together as friends through an avenue, a passion that is now like just now in this year is finally coming to the forefront. Like people are listening to podcasts. Now we're fucking pioneers, bro. I know there are people before us, but there's definitely not people that have been putting in this many years. And I've seen so many podcasts fail. So many people say that they can do this shit and they can't. And the reason is you can't because you don't have the passion and you don't have what we have, man. And that's a love for fucking basketball, a love for putting on a great ass show for people that we really fucking care about. We care about everybody that takes the time out of their day to spend it with us, to engage with us. It means a lot to me. It means so much to me and it means a lot to Drew. So I wanted to take that opportunity and that was all from the rip, yo. That's just straight from the heart. There ain't no notes on that. There ain't none of that. But I wake up every day. I've told you guys, I say my gratitudes every single day. And part of my gratitude is I'm grateful for this show. I'm grateful for Drew and I'm grateful for everybody that listens to us. So episode 300. It's done. It's in the books. There will be 400. There will be 500. It will all be there. We're not going anywhere. So we appreciate you. We love you. And we're going to continue doing what we do. So Drew, that that's just, that's how I feel. That's just how I feel. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> I do. Well done. Well done. Thank you for uh, speaking for me there. I, I echo everything you just said as well. Uh, it is, it is, uh, a tremendous thing that we've done that we've created and uh you know dedicated a good chunk of our lives to i will say i mean seven years is not a short period of time to do anything for uh but i'm very proud of us and like you said the show keeps rolling but for right now this is sparta and this, this is, is sparta epic so 300 y'all we appreciate you it's a follow-through with clips and drew 
300, and we're ghosts. You know what it is, you know what it is, you know where you're at.